Okay, we're back here with, with Michael Murphy. You're very welcome back, although you never really went away, but you kind of did and you didn't. Um, this is for part two, and thanks very much for coming back, Michael. We, we spoke last week um, when we talked about Futurama, and it was your it was like your, your maiden voyage from leaving the country, um, but your first gig outside Ireland was, was this festival um, in, in a field, in a, in a warehouse in a field, or, well, a barn in a field in... in uh, we're just outside Leeds. Um, yeah, yeah in, in Staffordshire. Yeah. Bingley Hall, Staffordshire. The jam played there later, you know, I think on their final tour or so. Yeah. Yeah. So so last week we went through, got through a few of the bands and you, you told us a few stories. So we said we'd, we'd come back because we only got, to, we only actually only got to play six songs, I think. So we'll try and get a few more in uh, this week. Um, who knows? <laughs> we'll try anyway. Um, but the first song, I want to go straight into the first song that you, you, you picked for tonight because it's the sound and sense of purpose was the song. So just uh, have you any memory of the sound playing and why did you, why, why pick this band of, of all the bands that you could have picked from that festival, from the festival? Oh, absolutely. I, I have such vivid memories of this band. Again, a band that I would have known a bit from John Peel, a bit from the Pirates. I might have heard them one or two times on, on Dave Fanning and Ian Wilson's show. And they were a band that I would have gone across the water to see just, just for them. They were a band that I absolutely loved. And again, I thought, they never come to Ireland. Like bands like that never come to Ireland. And the, the singer was a guy called Adrian Borland. And he later ended up on Satanta Records, the, the Irish label. But they were just phenomenal live. It, it had elements of Joy Division, but it had elements of Micro Disney. And they were just a full wall of blistering sound with a really intense, interesting frontman who didn't look like he was trying to be a pop star. He looked like he was trying to invest his entire soul and his being in the songs. And did you know much about the sound before you travelled over? I think I had their, their first record. I bought yeah. their, their first record in, in Freebird, I think. So I knew that, but I didn't really follow bands. It was unusual if, if I still liked the band enough on their second album to buy it. Yeah. I think the Skids yeah. were one of the, the few examples, the Radiators. But I, I, I wasn't someone who was absolutely loyal to bands because... I think my older brother was buying so many records. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, should we have a listen to the sound and uh, we'll have a chat then after that?
So that was the sound sense of purpose. And I was just thinking, Michael, um, you know, before before you travelled over to, to Futurama, you know, you'd go and see gigs and be a couple of good bands to play. And then we kind of take it for granted a little bit nowadays. And I know we, we travel to Rebellion uh, practically every year, or, or, or we're doing anyway, for the last 10 years or so. And there's so many good bands. But I remember the first time I went to Rebellion and it was my first festival. And you don't even have time to absorb what you've just seen. You've moved on to the next thing. So what was it like for you as a, as a you know, fresh, young music fan and suddenly discovering all this, when well, you knew the music before, but seeing all these bands. But before you can actually go, oh my God, I've just seen the sound. You have to move on to the next band. What, how did that feel? That's a really good point, because I'd, I'd been to gigs in Dublin, but this was like more music than you could take in and file. And if I'd seen any four of these bands, I would have been really happy and I would have been able to, to absorb everything about them. But you're right. And it was on because it was in this big agricultural hall, you know, where they had cattle shows and stuff um, that. They had split the stage into two so that one band finished and one then started, you know, right beside it. So there was a bit of, bit of movement. So there wasn't any time. I, I wish, in hindsight, I'd kept a diary or a log or this is what I thought of this band. But um, you, you're you're letting the, wa- the, the music wash over you because yeah. um, it, it's impossible to file it all. But you made a really good point on the last show about Eight years later, I went over for the Reading Festival and, you know, I emigrated at that one. But that meant that there were eight years in Ireland of, of you know, very conscientious music loving and, and gig going that from Futurama, I, I maintained that level of, of love for music. But I don't remember every single thing, but, but things do, do lodge in, in your brain. Yeah. And um, the, the food, Niall, stayed with me. Like, I remember, <laughs> you know, you, you, you mentioned going to Rebellion Festival and, you know, you can buy food. Anyone who's going to a festival now, you know, pre-COVID and, and looking forward to after COVID, you know, you can probably buy a range of decent food. But at this one, I remember there were little old ladies on, the, they must have been wooden benches that I would have associated with, with wallpapering. Um, and they had little tablecloths over those and they had, you know, plastic bottles of orange, that kind of diluted orange, you know, the kind of fake Fanta or, or whatever it was. And, you know, cheese sandwiches wrapped up in cling film and the crisps. I remember, you know, it wouldn't have been the first time that I'd have had a load of English crisps. And I remember the cheese and onion, either Walker's or Smith's, um, you know, they were much more oniony than yeah. the Irish ones and just things like that stay with you but it you know the catering wasn't great it, it, it was it was very primitive for, yeah. for what it was yeah I remember sure even on even gone on holidays to England you know uh, and you go oh yeah lovely we get some Vimto now or some you know all these tango which we didn't have over here you know as well as the the different flavors, quavers, and, and all that. Yeah, it, it, it's it's bizarre. It was it was a different world, and uh, back in back in the eighties, was a different world. Um, 
or, or the UK was. Um, and a different world and really, really shows um, back in back in 1981 in Ireland, the Catholic Church had a, had a huge um, influence over over the over the nation, and it was maybe starting to wane a tiny bit, but probably not much at that stage. And so most people on a Sunday afternoon, they, they will either have been to Mass or they're dreading the fact that they have to go to half six Mass on, uh, on Sunday evening. Um, and in 1981, um, a lot of people uh, would have been forced to go to Mass, you know, of, of my generation and maybe your, gen- you know, of our generation, certainly where I was living, that's what, what people were, be- were being told to do. So Sunday afternoon, while we're dreading Mass, you're getting ready for UK decay in Leeds, um, which is, you know, quite quite a difference. Um, and how, how UK decay, you have down as the next song. So um, how, how are UK decay while we were all preparing for Mass? Well, I, I actually nodded off during them at that one moment. Oh, a bit like Mass. <laughs> I, you know, you, you're just fatigued because you're, you're, you're not just trying to take it all in. You're just so hyper aware at, you know, certainly for me. And I knew UK Decay. And to me, they were a band like Theatre of Hate. They were kind of had that, that passion and intensity and bile of, of punk. And they distilled it in the way that someone like Killing Joke had as well. And I remember seeing... They're uh, they're single in in Freebird, going through through the, the the rack of records in there, and you mentioned that you're in a different country and it's a different experience because you're not from that country. And I remember looking at the sleeve of of for my country, and that like an English soldier, a British soldier. You know, I had a double relationship with that because I was thinking, okay, that's a British band. Why wouldn't they sing about? you know, what, what they're surrounded by or maybe what their parents did. But for me as an Irish guy, it it was something that I didn't readily embrace. It, it, it suited me to have a bit of a distance uh, for it. But UK Decay to me were really interesting because they've, they've been labelled kind of gothic with hindsight. And I think that this Futurama 1981 was a moment where loads of strands that I would associate with punk rock and with the, with, with, with the ingredients of punk rock that mm. you could do what you want with, where some of those then started coalescing into this thing that, that then be called, you know, became called goth. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we, we might come back to that because um, so a couple of songs you have later um, would, of bands that would be close uh, and I was going to kind of reference that in a later on. Um, that's if we get to them, and hopefully we will get to them. I'm sure we will. Um, but for now, we, we play UK Decay, and then I'm going to play the Hickson straight afterwards, and we'll have a chat, then we jump back in after. So this is for my country, uh, UK Decay, and then we'll have um, Hickson's I Don't Want to Live with Monkeys, then after that. For my country! Yeah. 
I don't want to live with monkeys. This, this uh, seven-inch version, and um, from the Attack of the Cannibal Zombie Businessman album. Um, for some reason, that that song reminds me of Magnificent Seven by The Clash. Uh, I don't know what. I don't know why. It's maybe that's kind of you know ha or whatever that goes on in the song. But um, yeah, it just reminds me of The Clash. Bizarrely enough, it, it doesn't really sound like them. But you know, maybe. Maybe there's bits of it there. So what about the Higsons, Michael? Uh, Futurama, they played. I'm just I'm just looking at the lineup here. They were actually before UK Decay. How, how was that? Had you woken up at that stage on Sunday? Ah, yeah, yeah. You just you took the odd net, you know, odd nap um, as you needed, and probably all that cheap orange drink, um, that the sugar, the yeah, sugar rush. It wasn't crisps, handling and the crisps. Yeah, that. Um, but. I love that you played those two songs, um, two bands back to back, because to me, you know, UK Decay were deathly serious and intense. And then the Higsons were fun, buoyant, creative, you know, and a bit mad in, in the way that, say, King Kurt um, would have been yeah. later. But to me, they were still coming. You know, I was able to see them in the same agricultural hall in, in Staffordshire. Um, at, at the same festival. So, you know, to me, even though there was a huge diversity amongst the, the bands, you know, to me, I was approaching them all as these are all little doors that punk has opened for me. And, they, you know, they were brilliant. They were thrilling. And again, I would have been going thinking, I'll never see those in Ireland. They'll probably never come. And, and you know, they, they never did. Yeah. But um, they, they, they were great fun. It, yeah, it was yeah. such a privilege to see yeah, the sure, yeah. live. They, like someone like Serious Drinking um, later, you know, very musical and very capable, but then taking a bit of a swerve to do something that was funny and innovative yeah. and creative. Yeah, yeah. And um, I know I mentioned The Clash earlier. Um, next band we have down is, is Time and Dog, who has a link to The Clash, which I didn't, I didn't, I didn't actually think about, but maybe I... I should take these links a bit a, a bit more seriously before, in advance. Um, 
So Time and Dog, again, I'm looking at the, the lineup. Time and Dog was on the uh, Saturday. Um, and you, you know, it was eight o'clock Saturday evening. Um, how, 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 were time, how was Time and Dog? Again, you know, the, the clash opened my musical bandwidth so much. And the fact that they gave a track on their album over to someone else, that extraordinary. Like, I don't know anyone else who would do that. And, you know, then you get reading because, you know, he's going to be in the papers because he's on the Clash album. And, you know, he was an old friend of Joe Strummer from the squatting days. So then, you know, that made me think, well, so Joe Strummer, you know, he didn't just come out of an egg when he saw the Sex Pistols. You know, he had a bit of a legacy, a bit of a life beforehand. And, and then you start reading about the squats and what that means and how that maybe influenced punk rock and, you know, some of the values of punk rock. So I missed the clash um, the, the first pair of times that they came to Ireland when they came to Trinity and then the top hat. I would have been a bit young. I hadn't started going to, to gigs. Didn't know if I'd see them. I eventually did in, in the SFX, but not with the original lineup. Um, so this was kind of the next best thing. Yeah. And and it was fantastic. But if I'm being honest, if he hadn't been on a Clash album and I just heard him from, you know, some some random place, if he had appeared on, on Dave Fanning or something, would I have liked him? Or was I influenced by the fact that he was on a Clash album? But he was great, great fun. And, you know, to see a violin, the only time I'd seen violins on stage were like a fresh cowl with a bunch of you know, traditional musicians or something. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's a very, very different and unique and, and great, great entertainment. Yeah, so sure, why not have a listen to it now? It's Time and Dog and it's Lose This Skin that we're playing from the irrepressible Time and Dog album. I know here that's a, that is a violin, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we go back to that violin, so In the secret life of Egypt by Dr. Paul Brunton I came across this curious story A man came from Europe with a pyramid theory When it didn't quite work out he tried to fall down And doorway had something to prove Something to prove There is no rest for a man obsessed With something to prove This man, he can't trust his wife He's sure that she cheats when she's out of his sight He follows her by day, he harangues her at night When she finally has to leave He's sure he was right, he had something to prove Something to prove There is no rest for a man obsessed With something to prove This woman who can't 
sleep at night Cause she hasn't had enough good luck in her life She meets with her friends and they keep an account From now on they all want the exact same amount Oh that's something to prove Something to prove There is no rest for somebody obsessed with something to prove The man he swears on his breath that there is no God and there's no after death. Well, if that is his truth, he's free to choose it. But what's more, he says when he's dead, he's gonna send a message back to prove it. That's something to prove. Something to prove. There is no rest for a man obsessed with something to prove. dog which with, with what I thought was lo- lose their skin but um well you see it goes to show oh my goodness we give you a sneak peek into the next song there but it goes to show when you haven't got the record in your hand you know and you can't actually prove what it is because because we're doing this over a computer and I don't have the record and um, we can go back to what the song is now in a second but to me Michael you, you, you mentioned it last week and you briefly touched on it this week about punk rock and it's all these different ingredients I think the last um, three songs for sure have shown the different ingredients back in 1981 of Futurama and it's and it hasn't really changed, has it? No, no. And I, it's only when you got me talking about it that, that I kind of came to this conclusion in my head that Hulk had splintered in so many different directions by as early as 1981. And I think that the force of it had gone out if you're just looking for for bands that sound like The Clash and look like The Sex Pistols or The Damned or, you know, the, that early rush of energy. But I think, you know, someone like Susie and the Banshees just showed that punk was pop music. That, that punk was something that, that you, you could leave behind it if you felt like it and... Maybe someone like me would think, ah, but you were punk once, so everything good about you is punk and I can like you. And, you know, the Time of Dog, if I heard that track, I think, oh, my God, it's some hippie with a violin. You know, that a, a busker that you might step up your pace to, to get away from faster. But because of the Clash Association, you know, I was willing to stand in front of, of the stage and watch his entire set and, and be very receptive and open and really, really enjoyed it. So um, I, I love the diversity of punk. 
Yeah, and and we, we mentioned the clash and all the different links there. And of course, we have to mention the clash in, in, in nearly everything that we do. But um, another really influential band that probably isn't classed as being as influential um, is The Fall. And The Fall, like, you know, so many different people played in The Fall and went on to do other things. And um, so The Fall had been going, I don't know, at, at that stage, maybe, I, I don't know, did they start in 79? But um, one of the people from The Fall left and joined and started the Blue Orchids. Um, and uh, so and you have the Blue Orchids down next. And I just wanted to kind of get that thing in about, about the fall because I, I don't think they get the kind of kudos. Now, I know they get an awful lot of kudos for being an amazing band, but just the influence that they had in that sound and in other bands and even the members, because, you know, there's people from the fall and the membranes and God and bricks, but, the, you know, there's people... If so many people, so many people went through the band, um, but it was Martin Martin Branagh uh, who was in in the fall, and he left after the, I think their first album. So he, he was the Blue Orchids, and had had you known the fall at that stage, or can you would you even remember you know, the the chronological order of things? Oh God, yeah, the the fall were were crucial. The fall were were huge in our house. Uh, the, very very important band, and and you're right. Because again, it was from punk, but it wasn't the punk template. It was this, you know, guy spouting a whole load of words and you couldn't catch all the words, but you tried and you realized he was saying very interesting things. And it was this scratchy guitar thing that, you know, then became indie rock and a sound that that I absolutely love to hear. And I'd heard, I think I'd heard this on, certainly on Peel, maybe on um, on Dave Fanning as well, and certainly on the Pirates in, in Dublin. And to me, it was just mad. Here was this band, and to me, the fall were as English as you could be. And it was, you know, Martin um, from the fall and Una, who'd been in the fall as well. And, you know, they had a reference to WB Yeats, something, here's these English people, and they're talking about an Irish poet. And, you know, with all of the things that that does to you, as an Irish person, um, when you start thinking other people take our culture seriously, do I take it seriously enough? Um, so I love the fall, very, very aware of them. Um, and I got to see them in McGonagall's uh, with, with the Golden Horde. In, in absolutely brilliant gig yeah. um, where some of your mates um, stole stole his tape recorder during the gig. Uh, and <laughs> wasn't my mates. I wasn't at it. I, I wasn't allowed to go. I was too young. Um, I'm glad you weren't there. Glad you weren't there. But um, now the fall, fall were magic, and the Blue Orchids to, to me, and especially with with this album, that their first album, um, I, I just thought they were remarkable, and it wasn't punky in terms of the strict ingredients and the recipe. But to me, it was absolutely following that idea that hey, anyone can be in a band, just just get up and do it. Yeah. Well, we've already played a second of it, so we we go back into those. This is Bad Education by Blue Orchids.
many books, seen too much TV, think I paid too much attention to a bad Education. Um, I love that sound, Michael. I love that kind of that pop. I, I'm with you, and then to me, punk rock is pop music. You know, it, it's not rock music. I always think rock music is, you know, it, it, you can see it in heavy metal. But um, this to me was really, really inventive and interesting. You know, and, and the year before I went over to Futurama, I think Johnny Logan had won the Eurovision with What's Another Year. And to me, this was a, a different world. And it was, I didn't want anything to do with the world of Johnny Logan and What's Another Year. But I wanted absolutely to, to be in the same world as these people and to kind of to celebrate, um, to, to give them some respect for, for what they've done to me. So um, they, they, they were astonishing. And, you know, I was thinking, God, two of those were in the fall. And, yeah. you know, I remember we didn't have the first fall single, but we certainly had Roush Rumble with Fiery Jack, um, you know, the, the second and third one. You know, as soon as they came out, John was buying them and bringing them home. So I knew that scratchy guitar sound and and was thrilled by it. So it was, a, it was great to see it live. Yeah. yeah. And another band we have down here is Ludus. Um, now, I, I will own up and go, I'd heard a name, I hadn't heard anything by Ludus, hadn't really paid much attention, they, they, they slipped my radar um, back, or they never got into the radar, I suppose, back then. Um, I did do, I did look look up a bit beforehand, and because um, when you had, had said you wanted to play the song, I was, saw that uh, Morrissey was a big fan, and instantly that turned me off, whereas if you had sent it to me about five years ago, I'd be like, oh, pretty interesting, I must check this band out, so so um, it's not a guilt by association because he wasn't in the band. So and none of his uh, views are hopefully held by the band. But um, how come you've got Ludus for us? Because I love them. And this was a revelation for me. This was a, a female singer, Linder. Um, and, you know, she came on stage. I might have I didn't know them. I didn't know any of their songs. I might have heard of them. Nile before this but I really wanted to see them because there weren't that many women in bands in Dublin there weren't many women in 
in new wave or post-punk or original challenging sounds, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, she came on stage and she was wearing this, this, kind of, this white plastic, looked like a breastplate, you know, that some kind of Greek soldier would have worn in mythological times, but, but it was white plastic. So it's this really modern, you know, body sculpting, you know, statement making um, outfit. And I, I don't know if I knew at the time, maybe I did, but to me, there was a sense of awe about her because she had done those early cut up sleeves for, for the buzzcocks. And, you know, I, I just read recently that she had been at that first you know, pivotal Sex Pistols um, show, you know, that, that's mythologized. It's you know, where all the bands, all, everyone who wanted to later went in, on to be in a band. But Is this in Manchester, the Pistols show? In Manchester. Manchester. Yeah, yeah. And you never hear about, oh, there was a woman there. Um, and then she went on to make really interesting collages. And then she compared her music making to be similar to, to making collages and if, if you remember some of those early Buzzcocks um, ads in the NME or, or the single sleeves where there were bodies that were cut up, women's bodies. Mm, mm. And the fact that a woman was doing that, you know, and to challenge what she said that, you know, ads for men were all about women's bodies and ads for women were all about women's bodies. So she thought, OK, I'm going to take that and I'm going to cut it up and I'm going to put household objects in, in various parts of the anatomy, it was it was as shocking to me those visuals as as hearing crass were, to be honest. Mm, mm, so um, I was delighted to get to see her again. Did she ever come to Ireland? No, but to me she was somewhere in the terrain that someone like Stano was in Ireland, just doing this mad, really interesting. But not sure if I like this. Not sure. You know, it won't be seen this on top of the pops, yeah. but very, very compelling and interesting. Okay. Um, in yeah. So we'll, we'll have a listen to it. It's Mother's Air from Ludus. Um, and then we'll go into a bit of the next song and we can get back to that uh, chat about Goth. Uh, but we'll go with Mother's Air from Ludus. So I'm not sure what happened there. Let me just uh, technical difficulties, and I'll just I think something paused here for some reason. But we go, we we get straight back into that. Nothing is what, what it seems The air is small but still we breathe 
going to go straight into the next song, but before I do that, I just want to um, I just want to ask you about how challenging was it to listen to that sound on two o'clock on a Sunday afternoon and when you know you're there to to be entertained or were you there to be entertained or were you you know going oh my god this is this is really making me question things here keep in mind that you know i was there my local band were the virgin prunes and i was there to support them and they were as challenging as that and i for me punk rock was about showing respect for the bands it wasn't about we want to hear the hits it was if you want to scream for 10 minutes i'm probably going to stand here and, and take it seriously and you know maybe you're having a laugh but i'm there's going to be at least one person in the audience who's going to think that you've got a plan you've got a vision and i'm going to try and imagine what it was so it was great fun because it was so different. It was so unusual. You you kind of felt like you were, you know, you were seeing someone who wasn't trying to be popular or successful, but who was just, you know, making a racket. Now, not all the songs were were as as abstract as that, but um, why not? Why couldn't you make music like that? Was 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 what that was saying to me. Yeah, and I know you did say beforehand about the, the visuals and the look on stage, but you know, and the fact that you know, and the reality of the situation is there weren't that many women in bands. So for a woman to come out and and challenge challenge your your perception of music almost challenge you to listen to them in that way um, must take. Well, it's a lot more difficult to, to do that than to be in, you know, a normal band playing guitar, bass, drums and, you know, maybe throwing a bit of keyboards in at that stage to be to be strange. It must have really, you know, um, you know been a really strong person to get out and do that. Yeah, I, I agree. And to, to me, it was completely worthy of respect because it was really interesting. And it was a, a woman who wasn't trying to look glamorous or looked like a pop star, or looked like she would be appealing to men who then might give her money to, to sing a pleasant song. I, I, I thought it was fantastic. It was great. Um, so I was going to go straight into Sisters of Mercy, but I wanted to just kind of get that and, and, and kind of make that point anyway beforehand. So we go into the gut, we play a bit of Sisters of Mercy, and then we come back and have a chat. This is Emma.
All right, sorry there, Michael. That was the Sisters of Mercy with um, with Emma. So I just wanted, uh, I was just saying there, it's not really a, a Sisters of Mercy original. So um, do you want to tell a bit, of, give a bit of background into that song? And we're going to have a little chat about Sisters of Mercy then. Well, growing up, I loved Hot Chocolate. I, I, I thought they were brilliant bands, loved their singles. And, you know, that that's a Hot Chocolate cover uh, of an extraordinary song. And the, the interesting thing about Sisters of Mercy was their first gig outside of Leeds. Uh, you know, they weren't goth at that moment, you know, as uh, I remember them, they might have been, they would have been as goth as something happens or, or stars of heaven. You know, they were, they were a guitar band. Um, and I just think that it's remarkable that this goth thing, you know, came not not in a straight line out of punk, but that punk opened the door to me for for all of all of these many many different types of of musical expression. But the 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 funny my funny story uh, about going over to the festival is you know it was nowhere to buy tickets for it in, in Ireland, so we uh, got got in the car ferry and in the morning when the record shops opened we went we knew that they were on sale at a record shop called Probe. 
Records in Liverpool. So me and my friend Simon went in to, to buy it. And I had a few, there were a few records I really wanted to buy in England. But, you know, I had my bit of money for the festival, for the tickets, for, for my crisps and my sandwiches. And then I wanted to buy a few records um, when, when I was over there. And one of them was by, again, a band that I'd heard on Pirate Radio in, in Dublin, a band called Dead or Alive. And I wanted to get a couple of their singles, if at all possible. And I go into Probe and it's the singer from Dead or Alive is behind yeah. the counter. Yeah. And Pete Burns and, you know, he, he's looking, he's looking yeah. like a virgin prune, if I'm being honest. You know, he this extraordinary looking, you know, vision yeah. of, of a man with the ribbons and, you know, the makeup, you know, he looked ultra cool, but not conventional. And I bought the ticket and I knew that I couldn't. I was too shy to buy his records from him yeah. in the shop in case he'd say, oh, do you like us? And then I'd have to say, yeah, you're great. Um, and I, I was just too embarrassed. So um, I bought a couple of records there, bought a 12-inch single by a band called Five or Six, uh, who were on Cherry Red Records. I, um, I think I got the Simple Minds that it had just come out that week. The, their double album as, as it was there was a free record with it and then I went around the, the corner to buy The Dead or Alive and when I went to the shop around the corner the guy said oh do you know that Pete Burns works in Probe around yeah. there as if you're yeah. saying you know you could meet the singer and I thought oh I just yeah. I want to put Dead or Alive to me are the first of the, the goth bands okay. and then they become disco so I love that that there was all of this flux, all of this possibility. And you, you played the Sisters of Mercy, which can't have been easy for you, Noel, because I know your taste. <laughs> but the Sisters of Mercy had released a record, well, the, a record label called CNT that you yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, released their second single in 1982. And the next single after that was one of your favorites, English White Boy Engineer. Yes, it certainly was. And, and were they on CNT? Sisters of Mercy? They were, yeah. So I think, and John Langford from the Three Johns was involved in setting up CNT, I think. Yeah. Okay. And, and you know, that the Sisters of Mercy were viewed as enough of part of that scene that, yeah. you know, that the ultra cool, I, I love the, 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 the Mekons and the Three Johns, and that the records they released in sequence in 1982 <laughs> were, were the Sisters of Mercy then English white boy engineer, then kick out the Tories by the neurotics. Yeah, yeah, and then the, the Lev Bronstein single by, by the Redskins. Redskins. Yeah, brilliant. So yeah. just, I think people think that punk was very tribal, but to me, it wasn't. Yeah. It didn't have to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And was there something about Sisters of Mercy that they stopped playing for a while because of the record label? They, they, they stopped. There was some... Maybe, maybe the internet will tell me a bit more, but uh, there was something, about, I have some memory of the Sisters of Mercy stopping uh, playing. They were signed to some record label, whether it was WEA or Universal, and they just went, nah, uh, we're involved in this. We don't like the contract we're in. We're in a bit of a bind. Um, sure, I might have a, we might have a little look at it when, when we're playing the next song and try and remember that. But um, I, I was reminded of them though last weekend because I watched the Vive La Rock. They had this kind of lockdown uh, concert uh, we, Steve Laroque did and Wayne Hussey came on and 
played a song. So Wayne Hussey was briefly in the Sisters of Mercy, if my memory serves me right, and he went on to be in the mission um, and a few other bands. But um, they had this song called Tower of Strength, which I think was probably one of their big, big songs. But it was re re-recorded during lockdown. So he got a few of his friends, like so people in All About Eve and in Depeche Mode and, and re-released it. And um, he played it, he played it the other night and it was actually very good, but um, it has raised over £50,000 for COVID-related charities. And, and he's, he, Wayne Hussey just sounded so sweet the other night when he was talking about it and humble and because and, uh, the, the event the other night was uh, trying to raise money for people, for the, for the stage crew, you know, the back, you know, the people behind the scenes. And um, you kind of look at Goth and you think, oh, it's this kind of really serious, don't come near us, we're different, you know, we, that you can't touch, you can't communicate. But um, I thought that was a really nice thing for Wayne Hussey to be doing. And uh, yeah, to, uh, you know, behind behind all the, whatever, the, the black, um, they're all just, like 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 even even The Cure and Lal Tallhorst writing this piece for our book, you know, they're, they're really nice people. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And funnily enough, um, Wayne Hussey was in Dead or Alive briefly before he was in, right. you know, Sisters okay. and and um, and he also, I don't know if I said this to you, maybe maybe I did, but he's very, very, he was very open to writing something uh, for, for the book, for the charity book. Um, but I think he, he was super busy with a project, but his manager was very, very positive and said that he he, he was hoping to do something and he would be open to do some to writing something in the future. So you're right. You, you can't. And is that not the great gift from punk rock, Niall, is that you just can't judge anyone by, by their appearance. You don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of appearance, we've got Bauhaus next. Um, just before I play the song, because we were kind of linking in this whole God thing. What, what was it? Have you a memory of seeing Bauhaus at Futurama, because we're really here to be talking about Futurama and your visit over there to that festival in 81. Now, how Saturday night, 11 o'clock, how was that? It, it, it was astonishing because they were very, very theatrical. Uh, you know, he comes on stage and, you know, very, very dark uh, with these really, really bright, almost too bright spotlights that, that blew all of the, 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 the white colours and he walks over and he opens up a coffin and then the coffin is just full of light, you know? So it was great fun. Like um, I really liked them on a musical level. I thought they were very inventive, very interesting. I loved that his name was Murphy, you know, that this guy who was representative of, of kind of English goth um, movement, although they wouldn't have said we are goth. Um, and, you know, the media sometimes put a load of people in, in bands you know, into a box together. And to me, they had nothing really in common with Sisters of Mercy or with Dead or Alive. It, it, it was all coming from punk and maybe most, some of it was coming from Bowie before that. But they were absolutely spellbinding live. And again, I was thinking, I, I'll never, they'll never come to Ireland. And they never did. Yeah. Let's have a listen to it. This is the man with, with X-ray eyes, uh, Bowie
So Bellhouse there, the man with X-ray eyes. Uh, we're at a run out of time, Michael, so we can't play felt. But uh, just before we finish up, um, uh, I just want to say thanks for this chat. We'll do a few more. I enjoyed it. Um, but also, just you were a young lad. You went over for this festival, Futurama. You came back. Were you a different person when you came back? Or did you view music in a different way when you came back after seeing these two days? I, I was definitely really, really open before I went, but I think I was even more open, you know, when I came back. I just thought, God, it, you can do literally anything with music. That, you know, that was my lesson. And I know Hot Press gave it a bad review. The NME gave it a bad review. Sounds, Melody Maker, if they even touched it. You know, and I can understand how professional journalists wouldn't have really enjoyed it because it was all over the place. There was no team. But to me, that was the thrill about it. To me, this really was fulfilling Punk's promise. It was just a bunch of people doing what they liked. Mm -hmm. Excellent, excellent uh, way to, to finish to talk about it because you, you did say earlier on about the different music and all and, and, you know, it's all punk. But really, it's anyone who wants to play in a band can play in a band. You know, and, you know there's different levels of, of enjoyment from that. But anyone, like punk gave people the opportunity to, to get up on stage, didn't it? So, so that, and, you know, that, that, that's great. Okay. Good? Lovely. Thanks very much. No, that was brilliant. Yeah, excellent. So thanks very much, Michael. And um, sure, we'll, we'll, we'll be doing this again sometime. That was Future Round 81. Uh, we call it Gab Fest. God knows what we, what we keep calling it, but uh, thanks very much.